Thanks for listening to this episode of Oppenheimer's Let's Talk Future podcast series. In this episode, our guest is Jared Holtz, Chief Healthcare Market Strategist at Oppenheimer. And our host is Michael Margolis, Co-Head of Healthcare Investment Banking. This episode was recorded on February 1, 2022. Please subscribe to our channel to instantly access previous episodes. Subscribing also means you won't miss out on new episodes with our thought leaders who bring you timely and relevant insights about the markets, investing, business, new technologies, and life in general. Hello, and welcome to our inaugural edition of Oppenheimer's BioBanter podcast with Jared and Michael. I'm your host, Michael Margolis, co-head of healthcare investment banking here at Oppenheimer. And we are excited to bring you a regular checkup on the biotechnology markets. The last few years have brought explosive growth in the number of life sciences companies and investors. And we at Oppenheimer have responded to meet the needs of our corporate and institutional clients. I'm very happy to have with us today one of the newest additions to the Oppenheimer's healthcare franchise, Jared Holtz, our chief healthcare market strategist. Jared, welcome and glad to have you with us today to discuss what's been going on in the life sciences equities markets and to get your thoughts on what the future may hold. With that, I'll turn it over to you, Jared, to give a brief introduction. Go ahead, please. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been a, a, a very tricky couple of months, really dating back to last year. I, I've been in a similar role for almost for the past decade now, covering the healthcare vertical from a trading-oriented standpoint. And in my time doing this particular job, I feel like the past 12 months in biotech has been by far the most challenging for a variety of reasons. I'm sure we'll get into that later during this session. So at this point, we're looking forward to what the rest of 2022 brings. I think the climate is very, very interesting for a variety of reasons. And hopefully that the entire environment for biotech can improve as we move forward here. Jared, we're looking forward to hearing your perspective on the current biotech markets today. We're now into February after experiencing a turbulent January. Of course, we ended 2021 on a down note. Many of us were hoping for a strong start in 2022, especially when you think about the start of the year. We have the annual JP Morgan Healthcare Conference, you know, generally serving as a catalyst for so many companies potential positive data, announcement of strategic transactions. So at this point, when do you think the biotech sector will improve? You know, the biotech index down almost 25% in just a one-month period. It's pretty stark to kind of consider that this is the worst month on record for the XBI as a biotech proxy. Hopefully, a lot of the damage has been done. If you kind of recognize the, the trading patterns and how biotech has corresponded with other indices, there's been such a dramatic overlay between other growth components of the market and biotech as far as how they've started the year. Makes me a little bit more optimistic that the pain and the turmoil that's happened in this sector is not really unique. And we're talking about macro factors well beyond biopharma and this industry specifically. As we move forward into the year, I think what's important to kind of consider is what has happened over the past several. And I think when we look back at several hundred newly formed biotech companies since 2015 onto the public market, it's gotten very, very difficult for investors to assess winners and losers. And I think even if the private investing activity can slow very modestly, I think that alone could create more intrigue with respect to the public markets. That's great, Jared. Thank you for those points here. When you think about key ingredients necessary that will help turn around this sector, what do they look like? 
Also, do you think investors are beginning to look at public companies given the recent downturn in valuations with many companies trading at or below cash? Well, going back to 2015, 2016, when we had the Hillary Clinton tweet about drug pricing, I just looked back recently and over that period of time, so mid-2015 through now, biotech as an index is flat. It has not moved. If you were to have gone away over that time period and come back today, the XBI is pretty much exactly where it is. And over the same time period, the S&P or the broader market has doubled. That statistic alone, given all the innovation that we talk about every day in this sector, that stat alone makes me think investors will have to look at coming back to this space because the performance has been so disparate. Not once in the creation of biotech has the index fallen short of the S&P by that much. And even last year, there was almost a 50% divide between how biotech performed and how the market performed. Now, maybe that's because some of these other subcomponents of the market have become more attractive, either fundamentally or on a valuation basis. But I feel like if we don't look at biotech now, based on how it's performed over the past year and obviously five years looking back, essentially we never will. So I think the setup right now is very, very interesting. Now, Jared, that's a really good point. What you are describing is potentially a very attractive opportunity right now for investors to focus more closely on public biotech companies, where many are trading at 52-week lows and at or below cash. For the first time in a number of years, investors are finding more attractive opportunities investing in public companies versus private. Over the last two years since the pandemic started, we've seen a significant shift in investor interest around biotech companies. When the pandemic first started in March of 2020, there was a definitive flight from uninvestable sectors that were closed due to the lockdowns to a few sectors that were investable, one being healthcare and the other being technology. Investors, in particular generalist investors, put their money into healthcare and they went into technology. And you certainly saw a significant rise in many of those indices. About halfway through the pandemic, these same journalist investors started to look at names that were part of a reopening trade. And you saw a significant flight from life sciences to other areas they could generate more alpha. At this point, two years since the pandemic started, the XBI is down 50% from its peak last year. The XBI is down over 25% to start the year. So where are we now? Where are investors focused at this point, Jared? Do you think there's going to be a renewed interest in biotech again because of the points on valuation you bring up, especially coming from the journalists? Love to hear your thoughts there. Well, I think some of the points you mentioned are, are very, very accurate. Starting back in 2020 with sort of the advent or the creation of interest in these other sectors that were really forgotten, but got a, a big boost due to the pandemic. And then many industry verticals were uninvestable. Uh, many areas of consumer, travel, industrials, et cetera that saw money outflows to the benefit of healthcare and tech, particularly biotech, I think by way of you know, what the industry was doing to solve for the pandemic and, and help the crisis. That was definitely something that we were talking about at the time and I think has, has continued. And so now I believe you're getting a rotational effect out of these camps that did very well over the past year or two that are now seeing money rotate out. I think for, for biotech in particular, the pain might have happened a little bit earlier uh, than other growth sectors, in part to what we discussed earlier, as far as the private investment situation becoming almost untenable for most investors to even come to terms with, given how many companies in the private arena 
we're being funded and at what pace. So I think all of these things together has created a lot of confusion in the market. I think investors are confounded as to how to choose winners and losers. And I think once you get a little bit more semblance of consistency in the industry, I think the sector will try to trade better. And so hopefully that starts to happen as we move forward here. Jared, let's focus on investors a bit more, especially the biotech specialists. This group has been a real foundation for the growth and support of our sector, especially for private companies looking to go public. Over the past few years, these investors have been able to see their colleagues in companies in person. They've had only a limited number of medical conferences to interact with key opinion leaders, as well as Wall Street conferences to sit down in person with company management. One could say investors have lost their edge because of the limitations from the lockdown. I asked myself, Jared, how successful can investors be on Zoom all the time and not interacting in person? I'm curious to get your thoughts as more businesses begin to open up and we get back to a new normal. Do you think investors will get back to meeting in person because they really need that edge, need that ability to actually diligence management teams and the science? It's a great point. It's something that's probably stifled performance for you know the better part of a year, maybe more. Um, you know, I think there were portions of last year where we thought we could you know, probably get back to normal at a faster rate. Um, and that was sort of subdued in the, you know, back half of the year. And so investors really haven't had access to a lot of their typical broker meetings, which I think are just really important, not only to, to get a sense of companies, but to get a sense of what other people think of those companies. And so mind sharing and collaborating and ideas and sort of understanding where the peer group sits on, on various single stocks and the industry broadly has been greatly missed. And then you layer on the fact that most of the medical meetings at which a lot of due diligence is done have been virtual as well. Um, you know, the, the typical buzz around, you know, various clinical programs and data sets has, has really died down or dissipated over the past year or two. And so Hopefully, both of those situations alleviate as we move through 2022 with some broker meetings being in person. You know, I think the hope is that medical conferences are going to start to be more, you know, more in person. We got a couple in the back half of last year. So I think as both of these open up, maybe investors will get their edge back. Jared, let's shift topics to interest rates and inflation. There's been a lot of discussion in the mainstream media about the need for the Fed to raise rates to combat the highest levels of inflation since the 1980s. Current thinking is the Fed is raising rates at least four times in 2022, perhaps more. How does this prospect impact biotech or healthcare at this point? We'd love to get your thoughts. Well, I think it has a broad application across all of these growth segments within the market when you run discounted cash flow models and higher interest rates lead to a lower net present value of some of these single securities. But we've done a lot of work on the interest rate cycle, and there isn't that strong of a correlation between actual rates and biotech performance, at least nothing that jumps off the page as being overly concerning. I think part of it could be that the anticipation of these rate rises is actually a lot worse than the actual implementation. That would be one sort of uh, layer of optimism when looking at biotech and, and other growth components within the market. So I'm not overly concerned about it. And I think a lot of that has already been digested in the stocks as far as the valuations are concerned. We've been talking about it for at least three months now. And so for it to kick in now, I, I feel like is, is very much expected. And I would think that based on where stocks are trading, that they've absorbed much of that damage already. Jared, while it's been a very tough start to the year for biotech stocks, 
hopefully we're getting towards or at bottom and we're looking at a compelling entry point for investors. I'm going to go back to another topic that you brought up before, private market investments and the amount of capital raised for private companies over the last couple of years. You think about what's happening right now, you see today really an inversion in valuation. With this inversion in valuation, the public comps look a lot more attractive than some of the privates, especially some of the later stage companies that are looking to go public in the nearer term. At this point, the IPO markets are very challenging. Hopefully things will open up later this year, but you're seeing a significant number of IPOs from the last year or so trading below their issue price. Almost half are trading at their crossover valuation levels. So given this situation, how does it impact the financing market for private companies and the potential benefit for public companies at this point? Well, this is a little bit of a slippery slope, the, the whole topic on, on private investment, because it, it leads to what should be more innovation. It leads to what should be better company formation. The drawback is that I think the pace has been just so overly strong that it has sort of clouded the way that investors look at companies. We've essentially been faced with too many options over too short a time period with not enough eyes looking at these particular companies and clinical trials that they're running. So there has to be a, a little bit better of a medium in which we can sort of parse through all of the innovation that's happening, both in the public and private arena, and use that to our advantage to decipher which companies make good longer term investments and which do not. And the advent of so many different companies in the private arena over the past three to five years in particular has made this much more difficult. So I feel like there needs to be a little bit of a slowing as far as the rate of private investment so that we can better understand the complexion of companies that we have before others are invested in in the private space again. So to me, it comes down to the pace. Um, it's been a little bit too fast. And I think a lot of that is coming home to roost at this point. Thank you, Jared. The next area to focus on is the current state of the biotech M&A market. So there's been a lot of talk that the M&A activity was down in 2021 compared to 2020. However, when you look at the data, it's actually not the case. It's actually pretty similar year over year. Valuations are down considerably from their peak in February of 2021, and big pharma and big biotech have large balance sheets to fund deal activity. So Jared, with this in mind, do you think this will drive a significant uptick in M&A this year? Or do you think it'll be more selective instead and perhaps more collaborations announced versus M&A? Well, it's really interesting. I think the Oppenheimer biotech research team, and I know others have run similar math, showing at least $500 billion of M&A firepower coming just from U.S. and European large-cap pharmaceutical companies. So that's a, a tremendous amount of dollars that are potentially allocated to M&A. And like you mentioned, it's been, I think, fairly strong um, of a recent M&A cycle. There were you know, more than a half a dozen deals um, commenced in the back half of last year. The sector didn't really move much on it, and we can you know, go into why. I mean, there, it might have been because the stocks were a little bit more esoteric or not household names, but the activity has been fairly strong. It's a little bit tough to predict two things. One, with pharmaceutical companies having so many needs, what they actually look at day to day, companies like J&J &J and Merck and Bristol uh, and Glaxo, Sanofi, the, the entire gamut are probably looking at many transactions at the same time. And just like investors, they're faced with what appear to be unlimited companies to look at. So the feeding ground is incredibly numerous in terms of companies. 
that alone could make the pace of deal making a little bit more challenging. And then throwing on the pandemic and the way it, which everyone's working, I think is another challenge. But there's no doubt that between all of the pharmaceutical companies in the U.S. and internationally, that deals should be happening at a fairly fast pace. I, I would venture to guess that if companies could do this, they would rather do more deals than less. It's just a matter of finding the right asset. Jared, another point I'll mention is that it takes both the acquirer and the target to be on the same page. On a recent J&J earnings call, the first analyst question they asked was about lower biotech valuations, and could that impact the pace of biotech M&A? The response from the J&J executive was, you probably need a longer period of lower valuations for many of these companies to engage in a strategic transaction. I think back to the financial crisis of 2008, where you had an extended period of low biotech valuations. Lots of people are asking and predicting M&A. They're saying, where's Big Pharma? How come they're not acquiring all these companies? I think it's important to note, while large companies looking to acquire have significant balance sheets, they still have a finite P&L, and they're always worried about the P&L impact from an acquisition. And you have to also look at other programs that may get displaced by an acquisition. So people have to really consider from a disease area strategy, how much sense does it make? It's a really an advantage going external versus focusing on internal programs. But it's interesting. I think that the past month has been a real eye-opener to everyone. Investors, strategics, bankers, analysts, and really everyone who's part of this biotech ecosystem. So Jared, I asked you this question. At what point do companies realize a strategic transaction probably makes more sense than stay in the course on their own? Love to hear your thoughts. The other thing to point out is, you know, what is the right value or valuation for, you know, the small and mid-cap biotech landscape? Is it the prices that we see here at the end of January into early February, or were the valuations correct a year ago when the XBI was twice as high? The right answer is there probably is no answer, but maybe it's somewhere in between. And so for a company like J&J to comment that maybe it will take more time for small and mid-cap biotech companies to realize that maybe this current valuation is more correct than a year ago is correct. But we did see some transactions in the latter part of 2021 where premiums were fairly significant. But even when you consider that, the price at which they were taken out was below the 52-week high. So maybe there's a little bit of wiggle room between now and a year ago. Great, Jared. Last area to focus on, the COVID trade. So the last two years have been, I would say, for all of us, a new experience. And I believe we have really adapted well. Well, the last couple of quarters have been very challenging from a market perspective. The last question I want to ask you today, is the COVID trade over? And if so, where do you think investors are going to actually spend their time in life sciences going forward? What's really attracted from your perspective, both from a therapeutic and mechanism of action? And what other areas of life sciences do you think we should be paying more attention to? Well, I think the COVID trade does seem to be coming um, to a close as we sort of move forward and, and through the remainder of the year. Um, it's still early on in the calendar year, but it, it just feels like investors have, you know, decidedly moved on from COVID being a primary driver of their investment thesis, whether it's life science tools, pharmaceuticals, biotech, manufacturing. The whole concept of, of the pandemic leading a bullish thesis on any particular subsector or a single stock in, in my mind, is, is losing a lot of steam, you know, for obvious reasons. You know, we've been in this uh, situation or scenario for coming on two years now. A lot of the companies have gotten a tremendous amount of credit. 
in the therapeutic landscape and beyond that, as far as their contributions to, you know, the COVID treatment and, and the cure for the this pandemic, broadly speaking. So I think investors are sort of at a crossroads here. We're moving hopefully to what is a more normalized course of business for most companies. It's going to come down to a couple of things, sort of like the broader fundamental backdrop for various subsectors, um, you know, how fast and, you know, how sustainable the runway is for the reopening trade, which, you know, probably has some more legs here as things normalize a bit. And as far as the vaccine stocks themselves, you know, they've all had their, you know, fair share of time in the sun over the past couple of years, some going to prices we never thought possible. But at some point, we're going to talk about the out year numbers and the real long term impact. And I think most investors feel like maybe their best days are behind them. Jared, this has been great. Very much appreciate your insightful thoughts. I look forward to having this discussion in the future and hopefully the near future. So let's summarize a couple of the points from today's session of Oppenheimer's BioBanter. First, given the significant pullback in valuations, there's a real compelling opportunity for investors to invest in publicly traded biotech companies, with many trading near or at their 52-week lows and also at or below cash levels. You referred to the XBI, Jared, being flat compared to the S&P doubling over the last five years. To me, it's a real opportunity for biotech investors. Further, we discussed as we get back into a more normal life, Hopefully, we get back to industry and Wall Street conferences and in-person meetings. This will be a real opportunity to share ideas amongst the buy and sell side, which should all be positive catalysts for an improvement in our sector. Lastly, the topic of M&A is another opportunity. Not sure how much volume we're going to see in 2022, but if you look at 2020 and 2021, it's been a healthy level of transactional activity, and hopefully that only increases in 2022. Again, I look forward to discussing these topics and new ones in the future with you, Jared. And thank you again for your time today. Thanks, Michael. Had a great time. And thank you to all our listeners. Don't miss the next episode of Oppenheimer's Let's Talk Future podcast, where we explore a variety of topics important to investors and bring our thought leadership directly to you. Hit the subscribe button today.